decide what kind of man you want to grow up to be, Clark. Whoever that man is, is going to change the world. Experience it in IMAX 3D. Hello, everyone. This is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. This will be podcast 441 for June the 16th, 2013. Happy Father's Day to all the geeky fathers out there listening, enjoying the day. What you heard there at the beginning, of course, is one of the TV spots to Man of Steel, which just opened up on Friday, and I actually have not had a chance to see it yet. And this weekend's going to be a little unusual. I'm actually recording this podcast a little differently. I'm recording it on Saturday night. I usually record on Sunday, but tomorrow I'm going to have a pretty big day. I'm going to go see Man of Steel. I'm going to visit some relatives and do some things like that. So uh, I thought I'd get a jump on things and record the podcast tonight on Saturday night. I'm, I'm a crazy, exciting geek here recording a podcast, but the uh, subject isn't the Man of Steel. That, If you want to know what uh, I think of that and Chris also, we're going to do a special superhero podcast next weekend covering that and some of the more recent superhero films that you've been seeing over the last, say, uh, five to ten years or so. And uh, we're going to be really focusing a lot on Man of Steel, I think. So I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Pretty excited to see it tomorrow. But today's podcast is going to be about Star Trek music. I've covered music on Star Trek a couple of times in the past. Believe it or not, uh, the first show was way back uh, uh, in 2006 with show 80. And another show uh, in August of 2008 for my third anniversary podcast on, on show 189. That de- dealt with the, both of those shows did dealt with some of the series music, also some of the film music. Today's show is going to focus on the last two films of Star Trek, the, the music by Michael Giacchino, Giacano, I think that's how you say his name. And I'm also going to review and play some tracks, some selected tracks to uh, the original series uh, multi-disc CD set that I got uh, a few months back. I'm going to finally look at that review and play some tracks for you. So we're going to look at that TOS music, kind of go full circle, where we're going to look at some old TOS TV series music along with the latest from the Star Trek film Into Darkness. So that is the, the show for today. Talk about some other geeky topics and uh you know a whole lot more so sit back relax and get ready for the show your reputation precedes you captain kirk i want to take him out All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Rico, and you're listening to Treks and Sci-Fi. That little uh, thing that you heard there at the beginning was uh, a Star Trek Into Darkness TV spot along uh, with uh, the, uh, one of the uh, tracks uh, from the movie, uh, more of a music uh, track 
I, I guess the <laughs> more of a song track, I should say. What the heck am I saying? That is the scene where you'll your Scotty's kind of in a nightclub. I, I and uh, the the song is by a guy named Conway, and it's a bonus track on the CD uh, on the uh, collection that's out for the the film on the the whole soundtrack. That's like the additional bonus track. Anyway, it's called the Growl. I thought uh, we'd play that at the beginning of the show. So how's everybody doing? It's been a couple of weeks. I uh, last time I spoke to all of you, uh, we. Uh, we had a shorter show. I had a crazy busy weekend a couple of weekends ago, but things have settled down now. Uh, the job is going well, and uh, good a good trip out of town uh, for that week uh, when I went out just before that last time I did a show. Again, I want to, uh, as always, thank uh, our guests last week. Last week, you had Rick Moyer and Jen Rhodes here. Jen from Anomaly Podcast, Rick Moyer from all the songs and everything he does. The Take Him With You podcast, and, and so much more, StarTrekParodies.com. Anyway, they did a great show on, they did a, a podcast on the first uh, pilot film for Buck Rogers in the 25th century, starring Gil Gerard and Aaron Gray and a whole bunch more, Pembla Hensley and Tweaky, and uh, that feature film came out in 1979. They did a great job talking about that, and uh, I hope they get it, to get together and do some more classic stuff like like Buck and other things in the future. Uh, that that really brings me back. I remember going to see that uh, pilot film. Yes, I, I I'm old enough to have gone to see that movie in the theaters. I, well, I saw the original Star Wars in 70, 1977 in the theaters, and of course Buck Rogers in 1979. Uh, you know, we were really dying for another big space opera kind of film. Empire Strikes Back was still about a year away. And, you know, there have been other films in between, of course, the original Star Wars and Empire. But Buck Rogers uh, was, you know, it just, it was a fun movie. It wasn't serious to the, you know, like Star Wars was. It was never treated that way, even on the TV show. Sometimes maybe uh, some episodes a little more serious than others, but still a lot of fun to watch. I I, I still... uh, pretty nostalgic, uh, fond memories of, of seeing that movie and, and also watching the TV show. It only lasted for two seasons, but it was a lot of fun. I, I think, uh, you know, everyone, any any real true kind of classic, uh, you know, fan of sci-fi, even if you're younger and you never saw this, you know, give it a shot uh, and check it out when you get a chance. I know you can buy the complete DVD set, really inexpensive, uh, on Amazon. I'm not sure. I didn't look currently to see if it's streaming on Netflix. It might not be. Sometimes those older shows like that are are not something that, that Netflix has streaming. But if you get a chance, check it out. So thanks to Jen and Rick for doing that show. This uh, Again, this week we're going to mostly be focusing on Star Trek music. I'm going to play a lot of tracks from different things uh, for you this week. I've got uh, just, uh, you know, some of the original series soundtrack we'll probably be starting with here in a little bit. And then we'll get into the movies, uh, both Star Trek from 2009 and the latest film, Star Trek Into Darkness. So, But before that, I would thought I would talk about a little bit about um, some current geek things that are going on. Uh, we finished up about a week ago the fantasy series Game of Thrones and did its uh, season. Is that the, only the third season? Seems like it's seems like it's been on for a long time already. You know, the, I think it's because we get a season of what did we end up with? Only like ten episodes this year? Was that was that what it was? And then there is you know six, eight, whatever, nine months, something like that, or more between seasons. So these uh, you know the series seems to 
it, it seems like it's been on for a long time, but this, uh, this particular season, I enjoyed it. It was, uh, you know, the last couple of episodes, a lot happened. I'm not going to say very much, but some pretty dramatic things. This is not a, uh, <laughs> I talked about it on the forum a little bit. This isn't an easy, it's not an easy show to watch, uh, for me. I, I don't think probably an easy show to watch for many people. It, it's tough to to see what happens in the show. This isn't a, a, a classic kind of situation where always the, the you know the good guys always win and the bad guys always lose. It, it's it certainly isn't black and white like that. Lots of crazy things happen, and uh, you know just I think it's interesting. I think it's worth watching. It's certainly worth giving it a try. I, I'm trying to stick with it now, even though you know there's. Uh, <laughs> Each time something crazy happens, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I don't know how much more of this I can take." But uh, it is, uh, it is, it is a, a, I guess, a very uh, compelling thing to watch. I won't say it's it it's always completely enjoyable. I, I it, it's just so hard to see some things happen in the show. You get attached to characters and things happen to them, and and anyway. Uh, but it's uh, it, it's a, an amazingly well done series. I mean, it just looks spectacular. Uh, the, where they filmed the the show, the effects, the just the overall uh, you know setting, you know, very very realistic looking. I guess is if you can say that for what they're doing, especially on a TV show. I mean, it is a, a cable series, but still a lot of money is going into this show, and it and, and it definitely uh, it pays off, and in it and it and it is obvious when you watch it. It, it it's very very amazing so that uh, wrapped up we have uh some other shows currently on continuum the second season for that series starring rachel nichols uh is back on the air on the sci-fi channel i know it's already been airing up in canada and maybe other places maybe the uk i'm not sure uh, this show, I, I, it's in its second season. I, it's really uh, becoming a uh, really interesting and a, kind of a favorite of mine. I, I, I like the idea of it. Uh, the, the characters are interesting. I think it's well acted. It's, it's really uh, becoming even more interesting, I think, here in season two. So if you ha- haven't uh, had a chance to check out that, I know I think the whole season one of Continuum is on Netflix. I did see that. So check that out uh, when you get a chance. Uh, also, uh, Warehouse 13 is back. Defiance is still airing. And both those shows are on, I think they're both on Monday on the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, I enjoy both of those. Warehouse 13, uh, it is going to be ending next season. We're going to have a short season. But it's had a good run, you know, five years, five, well, probably more than five years, I think. But five seasons uh, of that show, Defiance, I, I think, is is starting to get really uh, interesting and kind of more uh, going on in that show, kind of amping things up. Oh, and speaking of amping things up, Falling Skies came back just this uh, past week on TNT. I think it's airing on, what is it, uh, Thursday night? I think it's Thursday night. I'm not sure if that's its... I think the uh, premiere episodes were uh, on Sunday, so uh, maybe it's on Sunday. I don't remember. Check your local listings. TNT, uh, Falling Skies. But this year, I, it's really... Uh, they've... They've really uh, amped things up a lot. I, I guess it was Sunday night the the premiere started, but there is a lot more action. There's some interesting new aliens uh, on this show. You know, basically what this series is about. If you haven't ever watched Falling Skies, it's an alien invasion of Earth. 
Earth uh, has really been decimated by this this uh, group of aliens that have come to sort of wipe out the people of Earth. And it, it's it really the story of a group of people that have been kind of thrown together and formed a, uh, a fighting unit and a resistance movement against these alien invaders. And that's what's been going on. I think this is its third season now. The first two seasons, they were kind of on their own, but they have some new... Uh, new allies now so it's uh it's really uh makes it more interesting they've uh you know kind of skipped ahead in the time frame a little bit a few months six or seven seven months i think between the end of season two and three so i, I don't want to spoil anything too much if you've never seen it or if you haven't started watching season three yet but it is uh, a cool show noah wiley is kind of the the main guy that you'll recognize on this as as far as actors go moon blood good is on it uh uh there what's the there, there's an older guy that's on here i can never remember his name uh will something uh it's gonna bug me i'm gonna have to look it up while i take a break uh, but uh, anyway, uh, he, he plays one of the head soldier guys. And Will Patton, that's his name, Will Patton. Um, anyway, this uh, is well worth, I think, seeing and watching this show. It's it's executive produced by Steven Spielberg. Uh, really cool show. Check that out as well. Uh, so we've still got some good stuff. Also, uh, for the vampire fans, which I am one of, uh, we have the uh, the cool HBO series coming back now that we've uh, finished up Game of Thrones. True Blood airs, well, this, this weekend, Sunday night, uh, comes back with season five, is it? Or six? I'll have to look that up, too. Uh, but uh, I've watched all the, the years of this. I think it's season maybe six. Uh, but it is a, a very cool show. Uh, adult, you know, it's on cable. Uh, lots of violence, some some uh, sexual situations, some language, uh, but it's uh, it's very well done. People have said kind of the first few seasons were better, and it, they they've kind of felt that the last few seasons haven't been as good. But I, I'm still enjoying the heck out of this show. I, I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's based on this Suki Stackhouse novels uh, by I think her name, the author's name is Charlene Harris. And check that out if you've never given it a shot. I'm not sure about that one if it's if some of the early seasons are on Netflix, but I I, I would think they would be by now. Uh, and uh, you know, give it a shot. It's it's very very well done, very cool, very stylish, and and, and just uh, the thing. I, one of the things I always loved about True Blood, and I love the setting of the South that it's it's set down in the Bayou in Louisiana. And it just kind of is a great summer series to watch. So uh, check that out when you get a chance. I, I, I've uh, enjoyed it uh, immensely. And I think I just read somewhere that uh, she just, Charlene Harris just put out the last, uh, she's saying the last of the Sookie Stackhouse novels. I'm not sure. I think she has about a dozen of them out, something like that. And from what I've read and heard, they've, just like in The Walking Dead, they've kind of diverged a bit from the books. So there's there's quite a bit of difference between the books and the TV show now. So you can kind of, I guess, even if you've read the books, I think the TV show is different enough. You can enjoy that in a, in a sort of sort of consider it the parallel universe of, of True Blood if you're a fan of the books. And and the same thing is true if you know if you've enjoyed the uh, if you enjoyed the TV show you could probably pick up the books and read those and get a different kind of story and and, and it wouldn't be like you'd be repeating too much I think some of the early stuff they they paralleled it pretty well and now it's kind of diverged away just just like some other things they do when they adapt book series into TV or movies so 
hey, I need to get something to drink. I'm going to go get some tea. And while I do this, I am going to play uh, Joe, who does uh, he does the um, uh, a game podcast called the uh, Upper Memory Block Show, which you should check out if you love classic computer games. And uh, he sent in a uh comments and review of a i think this is a new game i'm pretty sure it's a it's called kerbal kerbals kerbals space adventure something like that well joe will tell you all about it and then i'll come back i'm going to listen to his his uh, comments on this and i'll come back and talk about it i think i saw that on the uh the steam uh library game library place today when i was on there uh getting i am playing starting to play a little of this marvel superheroes free-to-play kind of Diablo-like MMO. And uh, anyway, listen to what Joe has to say about this game. Hey there, everyone in Trex and Sci-Fi Land. Joe from Toronto here, Billy Bob 476 on the forums, occasional guest podcast host, and the host of the Upper Memory Block podcast, the DOS and pre-Windows XP gaming podcast. So I want to talk to you guys today about something pretty cool. Uh, in my travels across the gaming world, I've stumbled upon a game that uh, that I am in love with, and I know that the folks out in Trex and Sci-Fi Land will greatly appreciate. The game is called Kerbal Space Program, and uh, it's currently under development by a company called Squad. Uh, in the game, you're the director of a fledgling space program on the planet Kerman. Now, aside from the fact that Kerman is uh, is populated by cute little green men, uh, the, the planet is basically like Earth in almost every way. You start off at your space center, which looks oddly like the, uh, the Kennedy Space Center where the space shuttle launched until very recently. So, your job is to successfully launch your Kerman astronauts into orbit and beyond. How do you do this, you ask? Well, you start off in the vehicle assembly building. Here, you build kind of contemporary style spacecraft out of a bucket of very, very cool parts. Generally, to get beyond the planet's reach, uh, you need to build relatively complex multi-stage rockets. Uh, you start off with a small command module or a lander or, or whatever you're intending to put into orbit, uh, and you attach all variety of parts like liquid fuel tanks, engines, solid rocket boosters, reaction control thrusters, stabilizers, and stage separators. Now, via those stage separators, you also control how the stages of your rocket act. Uh, so your launch stage may involve releasing uh, the launch gantry that holds the rocket upright and lighting the solid rocket boosters. Your next stage may jettison the boosters and light your mid-stage engine. The stage after that may drop the second stage and ignite your maneuvering engine to get you into final orbit. Now, that may sound straightforward, but let me tell you, it is not. It took me at least 15 or maybe 20 failed launches before I got the hang of things. If you don't properly construct your ship, all manner of hilarious but somewhat realistic events occur. So say you don't have enough fuel in your rocket. You'll gain some altitude, and then your engines will die, and your ship will fall back to Earth. But the funniest launches are when your ship lacks any sort of wings or stabilizers or anything like that. It'll launch from the pad and start flying through the air uncontrollably until it smashes headlong into the ground. So aside from building rockets and, and launching them and crashing them and putting things in orbit and all that, the, uh, the aspects of the game when you're in space are actually also very, not super realistic because we're not all NASA engineers, but uh, realistic enough so that it's really quite challenging. And, um, you know, when you're in orbit, you affect your orbit in the way that real spacecraft would affect their orbit. So you have like, uh, I believe 
periopsis and basically the apogee and the perigee of the orbits. I can't remember the names they use in the game because they're complicated, but uh, basically means that if you want to increase one side of your orbit on the opposite side, that's when you fire your engines. And uh, if you want to do the other side, you fire it off at the other side. Really, really cool. And you know, the way you get to the moon is by engineering a transfer orbit. So you f change your orbit to the point where you'll intercept the gravity of the moon. And then once you get to the moon, you fire your engines again to enter orbit around there. I mean, the simulation aspects of this game, be they through launch and aerodynamics and all that stuff, or the orbital mechanics that they represent, are really very cool, really very realistic, and uh, you know have taught me a lot of stuff about uh, about spaceflight, contemporary style spaceflight that uh, that I did not know. Now the game is still in early development. Uh, I believe the most current version is 0.2.2 beta. So uh, so we're getting in real early here. There's eventually going to be a career mode with missions and objectives and all kinds of stuff like that. But for right now, this is a sandbox game. So your goals are whatever you want them to be. This has led people to do all kinds of fun and crazy things. People have created realistic, permanently manned space stations in orbit of the planet. They've created moon bases. They've created bases on the other planets in the Kerbal Solar System. People are sending out unmanned probes to find other solar systems. And one guy even made the Death Star out of metal panels and girders in orbit. The sky is the limit. Not only can you do all this stuff, though, but the game even has a really great sense of humor about the whole thing. Your astronauts react to the situation that they're in. You know, you see them in little windows when, the, when they're in the ship, and they look terrified when you're launching. They're in awe when you're in orbit, and, you know, they have every emotion in between. They all have these little individual personalities. They have stats like, uh, they only have two stats. They have bravery and stupidity. So the braver they are, the less scared they'll look, but the stupider they are, well, also the less scared they'll look because they won't realize what's going on. They're really a hoot to watch. It's really hilarious. So that's a really quick overview of Kerbal Space Program. Uh, if you have any interest in the space program, its history, its future, or you really just like a fun physics simulation, I highly recommend it. It's also really great for kids. It's super educational, at least from my eyes. There's no violence or offensive material in it in any way. Uh, I, I suggested it to a couple of uh, the guys at work who have... Uh, eight to 12 year olds and and you know they thought they really got a kick out of it apparently i've had a rocket named after me so you can pick up the game directly from uh from the developer's site kerbalspaceprogram.com that's k-e-r-b-a-l spaceprogram.com or via steam just uh, look for kerbal space program so right now it's basically a steal for the amount of gameplay you got out of it at 22 dollars 99 usd big recommend for kerbal space program Thank you, Rico, uh, for putting on the show, doing all the stuff you do, and I look forward to hearing the rest of what you got to say this week. Well, thanks so much, Joe. Yes, Kerbal Space Program. Now it now it sounds familiar to me because I think one of my sons uh, was talking about it to me and saying, you know, this is something that I'd really enjoy and I should give it a shot. So just so many things to play these days. But I, I, I feel pretty accomplished today. I both uh, I played a little bit of... Marvel superheroes, this new Diablo-style Marvel game where you get to play like as a as a superhero, Marvel superhero like Hawkeye or the Hulk or Spider-Man. Although the the free mode of this, you can download this uh, off of Steam. The uh, free mode, you get the the choices for the heroes to begin with are, are kind of limited. You can do uh, Scarlet Witch, I think was one of them, Storm. 
I chose Haw- Hawkeye because I like I, I like playing characters that have range abilities, like magic type characters in in like World of Warcraft or archer type characters, rather than the up close fighter types. Uh, I, I find it easier to uh, just kind of see what's going on when you're doing more range attack. Anyway, I'm playing uh, as Hawkeye and going through this game. So I played that for about an hour or so today for the first time, and uh, my older son Stephen has been playing it, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's it, right now, at least, it seems a little too, almost a little too Diablo-like for me. Uh, I haven't gone into it very much, like I said, only about an hour of play, but I'm gonna I'm gonna play it some more. You can get, I think, you can pay for uh, additional characters, items, and things like that. That's how this game is gonna make its money. You can download the game itself for free. It doesn't even cost you any initial uh, cost to play the game to start with. Uh, you just get some basic characters, like I said, and uh, I'm not sure. You know how far you can go. I don't. I don't know that much about the game. If if you can just keep playing free, or if, if it's a game where you'll hit kind of a wall where you'll where you're gonna have to then pay some money to to save uh, or sorry not to 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 save but pay some money to continue to advance through the game. You know, I know Diablo three when it came out, it kind of had it had that situation where people were hitting a certain point and you really had to do some stuff like with the auction house, the pay auction house to continue. But it's uh, we'll see we'll see how this goes, and I'm still playing of course World of Warcraft. Been playing that for forever and a day. Played that a little bit more today. Yeah, there's uh, just a lot of cool things out there to play uh, online and and other things. And speaking of gaming, we had uh, a lot of gaming stuff came out this week because there was E3. They talked about the Xbox One and the PS4. I I'm not much of a console gamer. I've always more gravitated more towards PC gaming. Uh, we do have a PS3, but I, I basically play that or use that to play Blu-rays. This is really what I use it for, uh, and uh, don't play a lot of games on the console. So this isn't not something that I have a whole lot of commentary about. Although I will say, it seems to me that the Xbox, I, I'm surprised that it's a, it's priced about $100 more the new Xbox One versus the PS4. Uh, I think that they, they need to be pretty much the same price because people were, you know, a lot of people are just going to look at that and they're going to say, well, that one costs more, so we're going to get this. That That's um, it's a big thing where people don't know the difference or if their kids aren't bugging them and saying, oh, no, 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 we need the Xbox because we have all these Xbox games, Xbox games already or we're into that Microsoft world more. I'm not sure what, but uh, yeah, lots of things going on in the gaming world uh, and uh, always always fun things to play. But I want to sort of diverge off and I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of one last big news story. I mean, we've got the summer movie, actually a couple things I wanted to mention. We've got the summer movie season going. I, I, uh, I have not seen After Earth yet. I've heard mixed things, even though I do like to go and make up my own mind. Uh, to see this, and I do want to see this movie, although it may be one that I'm going to not see until it comes out on uh, DVD or Blu-ray or Netflix or whatever, because there's so much to see. I did go see about a week, last weekend, that magic uh, movie, uh, not really not really sci-fi or fantasy, but I think it's something that appeals to, uh, you know, geeks and uh, us kind of folks, uh, that movie called Now You See Me, and uh, Morgan Freeman's in it, uh, and, and just a lot of uh, uh, cool actors. I, I thought it was enjoyable. It was a kind of a caper kind of magician illusion movie. They're they're kind of robbing people in banks and and getting away with it. And it, it's it 
it's more to it than that. There's more to it going on than that. So go see it if you like uh, uh, magic and illusions and kind of uh, an, an adventure and a, and a caper kind of film. Uh, what else? And then, uh, of course, the big one, Man of Steel, came out this weekend. I, I just I, I can't believe I was at, The funny thing is, is I was almost going to go see it yesterday. I was in the area after work near a movie theater, and I was almost going to go see it, but I'm going to wait to, I decided to wait and go see it for the first time with my son tomorrow, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I've heard a lot of good things about it. Chris on the forums already saying it's amazing and great. Uh, I've I've been, and he's a big Superman fan, so I'm excited to uh, to go check it out myself, and, and again, next weekend, we're going to be covering that and talking all about it. I, I think it's going to be just, uh, it, it's, Superman is such a hard character to do right, and, I, and I'm really feeling from what I've been seeing and hearing about this movie that they've got got it figured out. So, so that's going to be good. And uh, and then uh, we've got World War Z next weekend, and the Lone Ranger movie coming up, uh, and, and just lots. And we've got that big robot movie, uh, Pacific Rim in July, and, and just Wolverine towards the end of July. Just a lot of summer movies still to come. Had a good run so far with, of course, Star Trek, Iron Man 3, and I think there's a lot of more uh, fun to see at the movies. And I, I urge everyone, hey, go to see, take someone to see Star Trek if they haven't seen it yet. You know, don't, don't, uh, don't miss out. You know, if you've only seen it once, I, I highly recommend to go see that movie a second time in the theaters. I just found, I found that it was so much more enjoyable, actually. It was enjoyable the first time, but it, there was just something nice to see it the second time. Just kind of relax, sit back, and have a fun time with it. So go check it out again in the theaters. And I think I said this before on the podcast, but this is one movie I think that was was fun to see in 3D. So I, I you know, maybe go check that out too. It's you know, or just regular movie theater if you want. Um, so yeah, lots of stuff to go. But the other last big topic, I'm going to grab my tea and uh, take a drink. Sorry. Uh, uh, the the other thing that came out uh, just maybe in the last week or two, I think it was definitely after the podcast, um, my last podcast, or maybe I, it had just been announced then, but Matt Smith is leaving Doctor Who. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm surprised by that. I, I Yeah, and now I do remember I did talk about this because I, 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 I put forth the idea that maybe he's leaving because he misses his old friends, you know, Rory and Amy um, and the actors. But I, I, I see that there's still no new uh, Doctor, uh, Doctor Who? There's no new Doctor Who that's been uh, announced yet. So, and uh, it's, there's people saying they want want an older Doctor this time for a change. You know, basically Matt Smith, David Tennant, I think he's, I think when he started Doctor Who, he was like in his mid-30s, if I'm right, mid to later 30s. So they both, both to me, have been relatively young uh, doctors. Matt Smith, of course, being a very young doctor, but I think he, he played the role very well. So maybe, you know, this time they're going to shift to maybe a 40-ish, you know, later 40s or whatever year old uh, doctor playing the, the part. Uh, I think that could be interesting. I, I'd, uh, I, I, I'm really excited by you know what they might do with this uh, I'll, I'll be sorry to see matt smith go but i i think uh you know i, I was a big fan of and still am a big fan of david tennant i, I loved uh, the episodes he did i thought he was really good i enjoyed matt smith as well uh, and I, I you know i'm assuming and figuring that they'll pick someone good and i'll, I'll like them as much i know 
there's talk about having, you know, ooh, maybe they could make a woman doctor, but I know some of the people, meds, yes, is uh, and, and others in the UK, I think, are saying that you you should never, you know, he's he's a male, he's not supposed to be changing gender, and even when he regenerates, so, and that's cool. I'm I'm fine with that. Uh, you know, they uh, you know, it'd be like if, when they did their Star Trek movie again and Kirk, you know, turning Kirk into a woman or something. Well, didn't they do that in an episode of original series? Yes, of course they did. Turnabout Intruder. Uh, but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think the uh, you know, the the chances of them doing something, you know, that's that's totally bad or wrong, I think are pretty minimal. I think they have good people behind this show. So I think we're going to get some good stuff. So, all right, I'm going to take a very short break here. And I will, for some reason, I am talking in an accent now. And I will be back in a moment. And we will get on with the music of Star Trek in the latest movies. And we will first be starting with, and I, I got to stop talking like that. We're going to first talk about TOS Trek and the CD set. So there's a little break now, and I'll be right back. Karen Allen, and you're listening to the Regular Joe's Podcast. Hey, this is Adam Baldwin, and you are listening to the Regular Joe's Podcast. Listen up. My name is Ray Park. You might know me as Snake Eyes from Darth Maul, and you're listening to the Regular Joe's Podcast. Tear into movies and toys and TV shows, comics and collecting and superheroes. There's no Check out the Regular Joe's Podcast on iTunes. All right, what you heard there uh, to start us off with on this music, uh, uh, fourth, I guess, music uh, entry. I think fourth, I said, yeah. Third. Third? Yes, because the other ones I listed at the beginning. Third, sorry. Third, fourth. Anyway, this week's uh, music look at Star Trek. This is from a 15-CD TOS soundtrack set that I got a few uh, months ago from La La Land Records. I will put a link to it in the podcast notes for this week. Uh, basically, this encompasses all of the music from the original series, pretty much everything, including also some theme music outtakes, some bonus tracks, some sound effects, all kinds of extra goodies. Uh, it's just an amazing set. It's not cheap, but I, I found it uh, to be well worth it for the original series fan. Like I said, there's 15 uh, CDs. There are basically five CDs per season for three seasons. 
uh, each uh, set of tracks, uh, or sorry, each set of discs, it usually ends up being somewhere in the neighborhood. I'm looking at the Season 1 group right here. Somewhere in the neighborhood of about, I think, uh, five, yeah, five discs in a total of maybe 80-some tracks, I think, or so. Something like that. Uh, and it varies a little bit. But that was the main theme. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit. There are some great liner notes and, and uh, interesting things to read in the booklets that come with the CD set here. And this is a little bit about the music of the original series from the uh, the soundtrack collection guidebook, which is a nice illustrated with pictures, talks about all the different people that, that worked on music on the show, uh, from Alexander Courage, of course, to Fred Steiner, and other other lesser known people on the series, Sol Kaplan, Joseph Mullendor, who else we've got in here? Some and there's some photos too. We got Samuel Moltovsky, uh, Jerry Fielding, Wilbur Hatch. Again, uh, just just a great group of guys. And this is a little bit about what they say about uh, composing some of this music for the original series. Said a small group of composers, most of them veterans of 1960s series television wrote original music for roughly a third of the series' 79 episodes, typically at the beginning of each season. The American Federation of Musicians, the AFM, the union representing the Los Angeles performers, engaged to record music for Star Trek, allowed the reuse of music from show to show and from year to year, as long as it was re-recorded. If certain quotas were met, the AFM permitted the tracking of cues burnt many of Star Trek's most iconic musical passages into fans' memories. Working with limited budgets and on quick schedules, the composer took inspiration from Star Trek's optimism, adventure, and human drama, and guidance from series creator Gene Roddenberry. And Gene had this to say uh, when they interviewed him uh, way back when about this. Uh, he says, uh, My feeling was this, Roddenberry said in, in a 1982 interview, and this was with uh, Star Trek uh, composer also Fred Steiner, that for the first time on television, I was going to have situations on life forms that were totally unlike what the audience was accustomed to. And I thought, my God, I had better keep as many things as possible very understandable to my audience. I was afraid that if on top of the bizarre alien seascapes and landscapes and beep-beep music, that I would be in trouble. And so I wanted music that said adventure, courage, boldness, all the things we talked about. As a matter of fact, in the opening words uh, that you all know, to boldly go and so on. So, you know, that's I think that's really interesting. And, and I've always felt the music from the original series is very uh, iconic now. And, and, it, and it really works well in the particular episodes and the settings and what's going on. It, 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 it's, it's kind of in your face a little bit sometimes. It's certainly more... I think out there and overpowering, maybe not overpowering is the right word, but very noticeable compared to maybe some of the later Trek series. I think Next Generation had some episodes where the music, to me, you notice it. Uh, but in the original series, it was more operatic. And I'm not at all, and I usually say this each time I do one of these musical shows, I'm not any kind of music expert. Where's Vartok when you need him? Uh, but to me, I, I've always you know, Star Trek, I could almost watch it with just the music and the action without even sometimes the words. And and I always felt the same way about Star Wars. You know, the John Williams' music to Star Wars is the same kind of effect, I think. The music was such a part of that uh, movie series 
and and just like I feel the original uh, Star Trek series, the music is part of it. That it, it's hard to separate it, and and it and it gives you such a feeling when you watch it. You know, I can just listen to some of this music, and I'm just right back there watching these episodes, and, and really knowing what's going on. If it's if it's something life threatening to the ship, uh, good you know adventure music or good music or or something terrible happening or something like that just just real dramatic cues and and instruments used in, in all of this so i'm going to pop through here and play a track or two more uh from the season one set i want to try to play at least a track or two from each season set uh the the quality of this set you know being on cd and, and they remastered all this music it's just incredible you've never heard uh, the music to the original series is good and is clear. And, and through the podcast, keep in mind, I'm, this is going to be MP3'd and, and dubbed down a little bit. So, But you still may notice the quality here. And I, I again, can't urge anyone enough. If you're a fan of uh, original series, a fan of the music from that series, pick up one of these sets. It, they're not going to be around forever. It's a limited edition. So here's another uh, track from uh, season one of the original series collection uh, of uh, Star Trek. Yeah, that's a nice track. That is the uh, track from the cage, the first pilot also seen in the menagerie. That is called the picnic when uh, Captain Pike and, and Vina are having the little picnic uh, that's created by the Telosians. And the next track here from this uh, disc, let's play. Uh, this one's called Crippled Ship. This is from the second pilot where no man has gone before. <laughs> 
All right, moving along to another episode here. This is from Mud's Women. This is by Fred Steiner. This is called Venus Walks. Hello, girls. Okay, time to move on to Season 2 from the original series. Uh, this uh, first disc of Season 2, uh, the music mostly is by Gerald Fried. He uh, was a pretty uh, active composer for the original series. The first uh, track is from the episode Cat's Paw. This was, a, you know, again, the Halloween episode of the original series. And there's sort of some playful kind of fun music in here along with some... It's supposed to be sort of scary stuff, too. This track, uh, I just kind of grabbed one because I really like the cue to the Enterprise in this. One of my favorite, uh, you know, themes to when they show the Enterprise in orbit. It's about midway on this track. The track's about only a minute long. But anyway, it starts out with sort of what's the cat's music uh, with Sylvia as a cat walking around. And then it cues into the Enterprise. So uh, listen to this. Moving on now to uh, probably some of the most classic uh, music ever seen or heard seen <laughs> heard on the original series. This is from a muck time with Sol Kaplan and Gerald Fried doing the music of Vulcan. And uh, in in liner notes here, Fred's talking about uh, 
He says that since he didn't know exactly what Vulcan music sounded like, I thought it would be strange. Fred said in a 1998 1998 interview, the story was totally atavistic and the Vulcans went back to their primal roots so that it made it easy. I was able to write a kind of ethnic aboriginal ceremony and nothing probably says that says that kind of more than the music when Kirk and Spock are fighting and I'm not going to play the whole bit here because it's pretty long but I'm going to give you a good taste of this track which is on disc two of the second uh, set of five discs in this collection, the second season. This one, uh, the track is called The Ancient Combat or Second Kraika. So listen to this by Sol Kaplan and Gerald Fried. Yeah, just um, terrific music there. Just really fits this the episode so well, and it's it's become such a classic now. I, uh, every time I hear that music, I'm always thinking of the movie The Cable Guy with Jim Carrey. If you've ever seen that movie, uh, there's a, a funny scene with him and Matthew Broderick fighting, uh, and uh, and, they, and Jim Carrey kind of does that music and they play it in the background. So it's it's shown up and 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 been in so many other things since then, but. Okay, we've got another track here. This is from the Doomsday Machine. This, again, is music. This one's by Sol Kaplan. Uh, the name of this track, it's track 22 on this disc. It is called The New Commander Slash The Approaching Killer. Some really dramatic stuff and dramatic cues in this uh, track, too, along with the whole track and soundtrack to the uh, the episode the doomsday machine you know very dramatic very adventurous kind of music and and this uh, i think fits pretty well mm-hmm. 
Okay, time to get into season three, and then we're going to be covering the the Star Trek, uh, most recent Star Trek movies. Uh, this uh, couple tracks I'm going to play here from season three. The first up is from Spectre of the Gun. Uh, with this Western episode of uh, the original series is from, again, the early part of season three. Uh, this uh, music is by Jerry Fielding. And Jerry had to create sort of a both futuristic, uh, you know, sound and a Western together. And those two things I, I enjoy a lot. So this track is called Tombstone. Yeah, that's kind of a quiet track there. It's a, when the uh, landing crew, uh, landing party uh, arrives in Tombstone, but I, I think it's pretty fitting. Next track here that I'm going to play is, uh, I'm going to only play a part of this one. This is from The Paradise Syndrome, the music by Gerald Fried. Uh, this is near the end of the episode with the death of Marimani. Uh I think this is a real dramatic track here and and I think it it shows a lot of emotion and and, and works so well in this scene where where Marimani has been uh, she's been basically stoned to death and you know for everyone that knows that episode uh, protecting uh, you know you know getting in the way and anyway uh, it's um it's a very sad scene and and this music is 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 just works so well I think so anyway listen to this track uh, from the Paradise Syndrome.
I think that's a, just an amazing track there on that uh, piece of the Paradise Syndrome. Just amazing stuff. The you know the whole soundtrack here is is just great. If you're again, I said it many times. Uh, if you're a fan of TOS, you know pick this set up. Uh, La La Land, La La Land Records, L A L A Records dot com. I want to read just the last little bit here, and then we'll segue over into the music of the the last couple of films. This is a little bit of. Um, uh, Gerald Fried talking to uh, Steiner about the, the music that they did for Star Trek. Uh, he says that the creative atmosphere on Star Trek was unusually ambitious. We've had long, long talks about the philosophy and the use of the media, and I was impressed that these guys really thought they were doing something wonderful and marvelous. And it turns out they were, and they were self-conscious about it and aware of it. And I thought this had never happened before. I was doing, at that time, The Man from UNCLE, where everybody knew that it was just a lot of fun and just don't get too serious about it. But on, on Star Trek, these guys thought they were making, you know, Alexander Nevsky every time they were on the air, and it was marvelous. I mean, these guys believed in what they were doing, and they were really all, were all kinds of overtones in the show that really inspired you to try to compose instead of just do your tricks to make it sound like you're composing. Uh, Steiner again said in his discussion, they were creating a new genre, nothing quite like it had ever done been done before. So uh, it, it's just, again, just great stuff. Um, the, the guy that writes most of the liner notes or put this together, Jeff Bond, uh, he's an author, author of um, the music of Star Trek, Profiles and Style, and he also has wanted this set of music since he was 12 years old from the original series. So it, it's just fantastic. I'm, I'm so happy to have it. So with that, though, let's go into a different realm and uh, talk about the, uh, you know, the adventurous and wonderful music of Michael Giacchino, who has done the music for the last two Star Trek movies in 2009, Star Trek, and in 2013, Star Trek Into Darkness.
Yeah, this is a uh, play a few tracks here. That was the opening from uh, the Star Trek uh, 2009 soundtrack by Michael Giacchino. Uh, it's just the really good stuff. Uh, he's worked with J.J. Abrams before uh, on other projects. He started with them back on the TV series Alias and uh, in 2009, of course. Did the real terrific soundtrack, a real unique and new sound for Star Trek, uh, for the 2009 Star Trek film. I'll play another track here. I think uh, this this one's one of my favorites. Uh, this is called Enterprising Young Men, and I think it might segue a little into a, a Nero sighting. So anyway, listen to some more of Michael's tracks and music from Star Trek 2009. Yeah, the you know the soundtrack for the 2009 film is is really great. It set the stage for uh, for what they did and what Michael did in Star Trek Into Darkness. There's a lot of similar music and themes, but there's some unique and new stuff too. 
I think he blended it together pretty well. Uh, and uh, there's some new themes, especially with Nero, sorry, Nero, uh, with Khan and, uh, oh, spoiler, <laughs> Harrison, sorry, it, with the new movie. So we're going to move into that now and play a few tracks from Star Trek Into Darkness in the motion picture soundtrack music by Michael Giacchino. And this first track here is called the Subprime Directive. It is track three on the soundtrack. Yeah, just off to a great start there. That's uh, the music that's uh, played uh, near the beginning of the movie after Spock is rescued. Oh, spoiler alert. Hey, you know, I hope everyone's seen the movie by now <laughs> if you're listening to this. And uh, anyway, we're going to continue with uh, a couple more tracks here. This one's called London Calling on the soundtrack to the Into Darkness film. This one's a little different. It's it's quieter. It's it's mostly, I think, just piano and I, I like it a lot. It, it really is a, is a kind of this early mo early time in the movie, kind of quiet time. But it's it, it's just different and unique. And I, I like the fact that it's uh, it's in the movie and it and it kind of it's important, but uh, it, it's so different than the rest of the music. Anyway, listen to London Calling here from the soundtrack to Star Trek Into Darkness.
Yeah, a good piece, uh, you know, violin and I guess uh, piano. Again, my musical expertise is not great, but I know what I like, and I like this. So uh, next up, this is uh, this track here is called the Kronos Quartet. And uh, the thing that's interesting about this is there's some vocals in here, too. This, of course, has a very uh, kind of... Uh, very violent kind of sound and tone to it. This is during the the, the battle with the Klingons on Chrono. So uh, and it's uh, it, it's a real interesting piece. So listen to this. I'm not going to play the whole thing here because it's about five and a half minutes long. But the Chronos Quartet. And I think to kind of wrap things up here, this is the last track uh, that I'm going to play uh, from this soundtrack. This is the Star Trek main theme and credits uh, to Star Trek Into Darkness.
And that's about it, folks. That's going to do it for my look at, again, at Star Trek, uh, music of Star Trek, the um, from the original series, uh, early days to the most recent, kind of uh, both ends of the Star Trek music spectrum, uh, both great uh, music, and I, I hope we continue to get much more uh, from another film, from maybe another series at some point. Uh, I still say after the next movie is when a new series will come along, I think, uh, I hope. <laughs> but anyway, I hope you enjoyed this. It's so hard to do these kinds of shows because there's so much music out there. Uh, and I've, like I said, I've done a couple of other podcasts about Star Trek music before. So I tried to make this one a little different. I tried to play some things you hadn't heard. Uh, again, that uh, that TOS CD set is amazing, uh, well, well worth it to me uh, and to those that are probably big fans of the original series. It's, you know, whether it'll ever show up in like just you can buy it in digital form, I don't know. Uh, someday I'll do another show. Uh, I have um, the, also a, a large mega set of, of Next Generation music that I might just do a dedicated Star Trek The Next Generation music show as well. So we'll see. Uh, what I said uh, earlier in the podcast, uh, I think I already announced, but uh, next week it'll be Chris and I talking about superheroes, especially The Man of Steel from the new movie movie and our uh, comments and uh, review of that next weekend on Treks in Sci-Fi. So that's coming up. Uh, you can always contact the podcast, call me, or uh, sorry, call me. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't want to say that uh, call me maybe song when I when I said that. No, uh, you can email me at treksf at gmail.com. Also, iTunes reviews are welcome. PayPal donations are great. Everything can be found at treksinsci-fi.com. If you want to be on the forum, uh, just uh, shoot me an email, treksf at gmail.com, and I can set you up on the forum. Uh, uh, you can't really automate your uh, your membership there, too many spam bots and stuff. So, Also, we have a Facebook group over at facebook.com slash treksandsci-fi, so join our Facebook group as well. That's about it, folks. Uh, I hope you're enjoying your summer so far. I guess it's almost summer. Technically, it's not quite summer. We're still in spring, I think, but... Uh, it, uh, it's been really pretty nice weather here. We had a nice week. Uh, we had quite a bit of rain uh, off and on early in the week, but uh, the later part of the week, the last three or four days, have been really nice. So uh, I hope it's nice wherever you're at. And uh, anyway, take care. I will talk to you again real soon. Bye-bye. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Your ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life forms and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before.
This has been a Rick Dasty Podcast production.